This is 365 Tech by Sweets. Today we are on part 11 of our 12 part series to Kevin Kelly's book, The Inevitable, Understanding the 12 Technological Forces That Will Shape Our Future. Today is episode 11, Questioning. As a technological trend, questioning is the idea that as technology continues to get cheaper and more powerful, the value of answers continues to go down, but the value of questions continues to increase. Wikipedia has made it so that any question that I ever have, I can get a pretty detailed response from the hive mind of humanity. The full impact of Wikipedia is that it's still subterranean and that it's the mind-changing force is working subconsciously on the global millennial generation. It's providing us with an existent proof of a beneficial hive mind and an appreciation for believing in the impossible. Every single day we see that old impossibilities appear as new possibilities. But why now? What's, what's happening that's disrupting the ancient impossible impossible boundary? These incredible changes are the result of a large-scale collaboration and massive real-time social interacting, which in turn are enabled by omnipresent instant communication between billions of people at a planetary scale. Just as fleshy tissue yields a new higher level of organization for a bunch of individual cells, these new social structures yield new tissue for individual humans. This is the first time on this planet that we've tied a billion people together in immediate syncopation. New behaviors emerged that were impossible at the lower level. Some of these new interactions for social communication include hyperlinks, Wi-Fi, and GPS location services that are really types of relationships enabled by technology. And this, this class of innovations is just the beginning. Oftentimes in discussions of technology, when we get into serious debates about breaking news and new controversial topics, I often get confronted by an argument of things being natural or unnatural. What is natural for a tribe of mildly connected humans are not going to be natural for a planet of intensely connected humans. While many of the impossible things that we define in society are going to bring about some incredibly beneficial change to the human species, many of the impossible things we can definitely expect will be impossibly bad. The new technologies will unleash whole new ways to lie, cheat, steal, spy, and terrorize. One prediction is that in the next three decades, the entire internet and phone system is going to blink off for 24 hours, and then we're going to be shocked for years afterward. There are a lot of potentially really bad things that can come about from all these new impossibilities that humans are going to continue to redefine as our population exponentially ex increases and expands. But, although there are a lot of potential downsides, there are two main reasons not to focus on those when we continue to plod forward. First, there's no invention that cannot be subverted in some way to cause harm. Even the most angelic technology can be weaponized, and it will be. Criminals are some of the most creative innovators in the world, and crap constitutes 80% of everything. But importantly, these negative forms follow exactly the same general trends that we've been outlining for the positive. The negative, too, will become increasingly cognified, remixed, and filtered. Crime, scams, warring, deceit, torture, corruption, spam, pollution, greed, and other hurt will all become more decentralized and data-centered. Both virtue and vice are subject to the same great becoming and flowing forces. 
all the ways that startups and corporations need to adjust to ubiquitous sharing and constant screening apply to crime syndicates and hacker squads as well. Even the bad can't escape these trends. Additionally, it's going to seem counterintuitive, but every harmful invention also provides a niche to create a brand new, never-before-seen good. Of course, that newly minted good idea can then be abused by a corresponding bad idea. It may seem that this circle of new good provoking new bad, which provokes new good, which spawns new bad, is just spinning us in place only faster and faster. That would be true, except for one vital difference. Each round, we gain additional opportunities and choices that we did not expect before. The expansion of choices is an increase in freedom, and this increase in freedoms and choices and opportunities is the foundation for our progress, and of our humanity, and of our individual happiness. We are headed to a world where the improbable is the new normal. The internet is brimming with improbable feats of performance. Someone who can run up the side of a building, or slide down suburban rooftops on a snowboard, or stack up cups faster than you can blink. And not just humans either. Pets who open doors, ride scooters, and paint pictures. The improbable also includes extraordinary levels of superhuman achievements. People doing astonishing memory tasks, or imitating all the accents of the world. In these extreme feats, we see the super in humans. That light of superness changes us. We no longer want mere presentations. We want the best, greatest, and most extraordinary presenters alive. Like in the TED videos. We don't want to watch people playing games. We want to watch the highlights of the highlights. The most amazing moves, catches, runs, shots, and kicks. Even more remarkable and improbable than the other. At the same time, superlative epic failures are foremost as well. We're confronted by the stupidest people in the world doing the dumbest things imaginable. The good news is that it cultivates in us an expanded sense for what is possible for humans, and for human life, and so extremism expands us. The bad news is that this insatiable appetite for super superlatives leads to dissatisfaction with anything ordinary. When the improbable dominates our field of vision to the point that it seems as if the world contains only the impossible, then those improbabilities don't feel as improbable. The impossible will feel inevitable. Our certainty about anything has decreased. Rather than receiving truth from an authority, we're reduced to assembling our own certainty from the liquid stream of facts that are flowing through the web. Truth with a capital T becomes truths, plural. I have to sort the truths not just about the things we care about, but about anything I touch, including areas in which we haven't, we can't possibly have any direct knowledge. This means that in general, we have to constantly question what we think we know. This waking dream that we call the internet also blurs the difference between our serious thoughts and our playful thoughts. Or to put it more simply, we can no longer tell when we are working and when we are playing online. The conflation of play and work, of thinking hard and thinking playfully, is one of the greatest things this new invention has done. Our thinking is more active and less contemplative, rather than begin a question or hunch by ruminating aimlessly in the mind, nourished only by your own ignorance. We can start things, we can immediately go. We can go looking, searching, asking, questioning, reacting, leaping in, constructing notes, bookmarks, and a trail. 
We start off by making something ours. We don't wait. We don't have to wait. We act on ideas first now instead of thinking on them. Think about it real quick. Picture, picture this situation. There are thousands of millions of people online at this very minute. In my eye, they're not wasting time with silly associative links. They're more engaged in a more productive way of thinking, getting instant answers, researching, responding, daydreaming, browsing, being confronted with something very different, writing down their own thoughts, posting their opinions, even if small. Compare that to the equivalent of hundreds of millions of people 50 years ago watching TV or reading a newspaper in a big chair. We know vastly more about the universe than we did a century ago. This new knowledge about the physical laws of the universe has been put to practical use in such consumer goods as GPS and iPods. With a steady increase in our own lifespans, telescopes, microscopes, fluoroscopes, oscilloscopes allow us to see in new ways. And when we looked with these new tools, we suddenly gain many new answers. The paradox of science is that every answer breeds at least two new questions. More tools, more answers, ever more questions. Telescopes, radioscopes, cyclotrons, atom smashers expanded not only what we knew, but birthed new riddles and expanded what we didn't know. Even though our knowledge is expanding exponentially, our questions are expanding exponentially faster. That gap between questions and answers is our ignorance, and it is growing exponentially. In other words, science is a method that chiefly expands our ignorance rather than our knowledge. Every year humans ask the internet two trillion questions, and every year the search engines give back two trillion answers. Most of those answers are pretty good, and many times they're amazing, and they're free. In the time before instant free search, the majority of the two trillion questions could not have been answered for any reasonable cost. Of course, while the answers may be free for users, they do cost the search companies like Google, Yahoo, Bing, and Baidu for something to create. In 2007, Kevin Kelly calculated the cost to Google to answer one query to be approximately three cents which has probably decreased a bit since then. But by his calculations, Google earns about 27 cents per search and answer by the ads placed around its answers. So it can easily afford to actually give these answers away for free. And we are just starting to get good at giving good, great answers. Siri, which is the audiophone assistant for the iPhone, delivers spoken answers when you ask her a question in natural English. When you want to know the weather, you can just ask Siri, what's the weather for tomorrow? And for me and other Android folks, you can audibly ask Google now for information about calendars and about the weather and the same information. IBM's Watson proved that for most kinds of factual reference questions, an AI can find answers fast and accurately. Part of the increase in providing answers lies in the fact that past questions answered correctly increase the likelihood for, of another question. At the same time, past correct answers increase the ease of creating the next answer and increase the value of the corpus of answers as a whole. Each question we ask a search engine and each answer we accept is correct refines the intelligence of the process, increasing the engine's value for future questions. Very soon we'll live in a world where we can ask the cloud in a conversational tone any question at all. But the chief consequence of reliable instant answers is not going to be a harmony of satisfaction. 
Abundant answers simply generate more questions. And in our experience, the easier it is to ask a question, and the more useful the reply, the more questions we have. And this shifts the dynamic. Answers become cheap, and questions become valuable. A good question will be the sign of an educated mind. Facts, order, and answers will always be needed and useful. They're not going away, and in fact, like microbial life and concrete materials, facts will continue to underpin the bulk of our civilization. But the most precious aspects, the most dynamic, most valuable, and most productive facets of our lives and new technology are going to lie in the frontiers, in the edges where uncertainty, chaos, fluidity, and questions dwell. But the technologies that help generate questions are going to be valued more. Question makers will be seen properly as the engines that generate new fields, new industries and brands, new possibilities and, and continents that our restless species can explore. Questioning is simply more powerful than answering. That was questioning, and check back for the last chapter of The Inevitable Beginning.